Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. I met today's guest, Jessica Graham, through a business program that we're both members of and just reached out to connect, which was so beautiful and I've really enjoyed getting to know her. Jess is, she's got a beautiful story to share and part of it is that not everything during COVID was bad, even though we're going to explore that, her story, but there's a really lovely element to COVID and how that turned out for Jess. And she's currently living in Liechtenstein and I want to know all about how she got there and all the magical things that make Jessica who she is. So welcome to the podcast today. How are you? Thank you. I'm so good. How are you? I'm great. Do you know what? I'm really good. I'm been good. looking forward to this chat for a long time because we did have a chat yeah. and we've, we've had a, a chat before and been in contact and I just want to just dive in so much deeper and find yeah. out all about you. Same. I just love you. <laughs> oh, I'm you. an admirer from afar. Same. That's what we were I saying. I followed your we? whole travel when you were in your glam, glamming van. Glamping, what yeah. you call it? Glamper. <laughs> So fun. <laughs> Actually, it is good. That's for, um, for people that I, I've just been on a camping trip with the family, but I've also got Blossom, my mobile office that I've been doing some work with. So that she's really good fun. Jess, tell me, as we can tell from your accent, it doesn't sound like you're originally from Liechtenstein. Am I pronouncing that right? That's right. It's a cool word. I like, um, kind of close. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get there? Like, where are you originally from? I was born and raised in New Mexico, USA. Yeah. And I got here. I was actually living and working in China at the time. And I had been single for a year and a half or so. So I decided to start putting myself out there to date, got on an app, and I met a guy who was from this country called Liechtenstein, 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 Liechtenstein. And I thought he was saying Luxembourg at first. Like I didn't even know this was like its own place. I had to do a quick Google. So yeah. And then that's, that's so how the connection you were, here. So you were in China. Yeah. We're going to go and put all the pieces together about how you got to China. So you grew up in America. Yes. And then you were living in China for a period, mm-hmm. single, went on a dating app in China, mm-hmm. but met a guy from Liechtenstein. Yeah. 
Oh my God, wild. how did that all happen? Let's wind back. Let's wind yeah. back. What was growing up like for you in America? What was that like? That's a good question. It was actually pretty good. Like I would say until middle school, I had a really good, good childhood, good upbringing, yeah. good family, very close with my grandma who I still like miss her so much. I just love her so much. Yeah. So we were, we were a good little good unit, knit, yeah. small group. Yeah. Yeah. Small yeah. unit. And what did mom and dad? Did you? Mm-hmm. Mom and dad and a small sister. Not small. Mm. We're only 16 months apart, but. But a younger sister. To me, I was the big bossy sister. So oh, okay. to me, she's forever the little sister. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the older child. I know. And what happened at words. middle school then? If, if, so life started changing at middle school. So what's middle school? What age is that? We have. That was, I think. You start at like 11. So it's yeah. like grade six to eight. So 11 to 13 or 14, yeah, something sure. like that. Yeah. So it was, it was a strange time because I feel like that's when like kind of the, the family secrets almost started to be revealed. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And we found out because my mom just started, she was a very involved mom when I was young and like, Stay at home mom, but always like in the Girl Scouts, um, yeah. leader, like yeah. field trip mom, classroom mom, very involved with us. Everyone loved her. I loved her. Everything was great. And then when I was in middle school, she started working and then she, her behavior started to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so my dad sat me and my sister down and was like, your mom has a drinking problem. And we were like, what? Because we had never even seen alcohol in the house. We weren't a drinking family. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, those were all the things. So there was this like sobriety, even though it wasn't really sobriety. It was just dry, not drinking kind of stuff going on. So, yeah, that's when everything just really took a shift, a hard shift. So what sort of things happened there? Was that because you said you were a tight family, tight unit? Did it it Mm. impacted the family? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, looking back as an adult, I can see how there were two sides. There was like a lot of hurt on both sides, a lot of. I think betrayal on both mm-hmm. sides emotionally and with, you know, the substance abuse stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think my mom needed more emotional support and my dad was incapable of doing that. And so it really took, it shifted everything and it also shifted our roles. Like I felt like I became more of a, not caretaker for my dad, but like an emotional support person for my dad. And so it became where I was like making sure he felt okay, making sure he was okay. And then also trying to kind of help my mom at the same time. But my sister was more the helper with my mom. So we both took our That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about that at that sort of 11, 12, 13, you know, adolescent years, that's a lot responsibility for young girls isn't it right yeah Yeah. and it's just confusing when you like didn't see it coming and Mm. you didn't see the signs of like oh this is what something could look like it was just like 
overnight change. Yeah, and that's that's interesting. How's your mom now? Is she? She's sober now. In fact, I just reunited with her for the first time after I think like maybe 16, 18-ish years. So her substance abuse problem did not get better after middle school. So when I was in my 20s, it reached its peak. And I I was going to counseling at that time because then I knew like this is affecting my life and that I was choosing a lot of bad people to be in relationships with and kind of repeating this like pattern. So I was in my own therapy and I remember the therapist like doing two things that really to this day, like I think kind of saved my life. One was she was encouraging me to go to 12 step program, Mm -hmm. like an Al-Anon program. So I did do that and that changed my life for the better. And then the other thing was she was, teaching me that like putting boundaries up with my mom and if I needed to stop the relationship, pause it, it's okay. Like she gave me that permission. And so I did do that and that ended up lasting far longer than I ever like thought that it would, but that's just kind of how it went. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And I think From my experience working with different people and knowing different people that have things in, in that others in their lives are experiencing sometimes take that ownership on for it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think putting that boundaries in place and being okay that, you know, your, your mum's drinking impacted you, but it's not your issue I mean there's parts of it that relate absolutely that become yours but it's about not owning her problems and learning from those it's a tough one man it's a tough one it's tough sometimes isn't it to separate and to differentiate between what's yours and what's theirs yeah and like still love through that yes Mm -hmm. and it's interesting too I was when you were talking about you know you making some decisions that might not have been the best decisions that you grow up doing what you know what you, what you experience as well. And it's great that you were able to get therapy and get some help around that as well and to sort of see those patterns. Um, cause a lot of people yeah. don't see the patterns. They sort of keep engaging in and repeating stuff and then kind of it's needing that independent person to help them to see things differently. So that's, that's cool totally. that you did that. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you leave? How did, what's the trip to China like? How did you get to China? Like, what happened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know that so, that wasn't America to China, but what, what was the sort of progression from school? Yeah. So when I was 29, I got married to my first husband and he was a teacher. Yeah. So he applied before we got engaged to a job in Dubai and got accepted. And then because I was going to be traveling along with him, they were like, oh, can she teach too? And so the whole teacher abroad thing happened. And it was okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a far-fetched transition because I had already been working in the classroom with some students. I wasn't a teacher, but I was their like behavioral support person. So I kind of had like a little bit of an idea, but I guess they thought that was enough, which now <laughs> I'm like, it's not. That was like the hardest 
learning experience oh I think God. of my whole life. Like oh suddenly God. you're thrown into a classroom with 25 kids from all different countries, all different cultures. And you're just like, there you go. Teach. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband's a so, teacher. My husband's a teacher and he ta- teaches kids with disabilities and he teaches them, mm-hmm. we call it in Australia, industrial arts. So woodwork, metalwork mm-hmm. and jewellery. And he's, yeah, and it's hard managing, <laughs> like it's hard managing a class. So I can imagine as a, a young woman living internationally <laughs> getting thrown in, that would have been an interesting experience. Yes, it yeah. was. I feel like my face back then was just like, like <laughs> so dead and confused <laughs> all the oh, time. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And living yeah. in Dubai as well. What was that like? Was that, um, and so I always say Dubai because that's like a point of reference, but I was actually in a very small city in Dubai where um, it's mostly the local Emirati yeah. people that live yeah. there. So, very different. Dubai yeah. would have been, I think, a little bit of an easier transition yeah. because it's <laughs> there's a lot more like expats and a little yes. more kind of freedom, I guess. So, mm. yeah. And I I always like I always was known to like push the boundary on like fashion and like, yeah. you know, what are you yeah. how whatever and my yeah. presentation of myself. And so. When I moved there, that was like the first big lectures that I got from people before I left. And then when I got there, like, make sure that you are dressing modestly, mm-hmm. covering this, covering that. Don't do this. It was like, and so it kind of also evoked a little bit of like rebelliousness in oh, me I can too. Imagine. A little I bit can, of resentment. Yeah, I can so imagine yeah. that. I yeah. can so imagine that. I can just feel what that would be like and for those that are listening did you have blonde hair Jess has got gorgeous platinum blonde hair oh Um, thank you yeah did you have blonde hair I did and then before I left I got so scared by all of the warnings that I actually like darkened it (laughs) it made my teeth look whiter and my skin look tanner so maybe that was a good thing but I it wasn't my favorite look and then I got there and I was like, oh, you don't, because then I started to see other yeah. expats, like, not yeah. following everything. Yeah, and so I got my mojo back a little bit. That's interesting, <laughs> too, isn't it? Going into a new culture, like, lots of changes happening there for you in the culture, in the classroom, in an environment where you don't, that's new and you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And then kind of suppressing who you really are for not wanting to buck the system, but probably internally maybe wanting to buck the system. Totally. How did that play out? How'd that play out for you? Uh, well, I ended up being there for seven years. So apparently something wow. worked yeah. about it, but yeah. 
One of the perks of being an international school teacher is those holidays. So you would have all these <laughs> national holidays and it was like, get out, get free. So it was always like trips to Asia, trips to Europe, because the location there is perfect. You're in the yes. middle of everything. Yeah, you're right in the hub, aren't you? You're in the hub of. Yeah. yeah that's so cool. Yeah. And like literally my friends and I, I have a European friend who always we would leave and it was like. You just kiss the ground of wherever it is you're arriving because it just feels like so free all of a sudden. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. So you were there for seven years. Where mm-hmm. did you end up after that? What did you do after that? After that, I was in Vietnam for one year. Oh, wow. And that was the divorce year. So that oh, was a transition year. <laughs> How did that come that about? That was a transition year. What was that? that was a hard that was a hard one. I won't go into the detail because no, no. I want to no. save no. people's but yeah. it definitely like was something that I kind of foresaw coming before we moved to Vietnam and in my head I thought this is either gonna make us or break us and it broke, it broke us. Mm. So that was um a very tough year. And a very hard transition. So like before we settled on like we are divorcing, we were just going to have like a separation and then we'll see what happens. And so in that time, I did get a job in China. So I knew this school year was going to end yeah. and then I was going to move yeah. on to China. So, so you that had was something already to in sort the of works. Move on to, yeah, you had something exactly. to, move on to, to kind of keep you occupied. I know. I know a number of women at various stages, actually, young women, middle-aged women, later life women whose relationships end and kind of just that inkling that things are not working and trying to make them work, but then making the choice for themselves that it's actually not what they want. You know, as tragic and sad as that is for, for a lot of them, it's beautiful to see women stepping into and men too, you know, doing what they is right for them. That is right for 100%. them. Yeah, and not, I mean, sometimes yeah. I look back and kind of wish that I had made those decisions earlier, but it really was, it was one of those in my life. I think it was probably the first one of the first times and definitely the biggest moment of like me choosing myself and not thinking about how this is going to impact other people or what other people are going to think. And with that decision, I mean, it changed a lot of things. Um, Obviously like changed location, changed the whole fact that I'm like doing this by myself for the first time, changed all of those things, but also like, I lost a lot of friends. When I was with him, we were very involved in like a church community. Mm-hmm. I lost all of that. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot of my kind of belief systems that were going along with that. But mm-hmm. all of those things like for the better, like yeah. the loss needed yeah. to happen in order for the evolution. That's a, that's a I'm, I'm just thinking. She could almost be your twin sister, actually. There's a, a young woman that I've been doing some work with that almost said exactly the same things that you've just said there about 
choosing herself. It's the first time in her life, you know, life was okay, but not really what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm choosing me. I'm actually going to, you know, my partner's heartbroken and she's moved internationally. And, you know, she said, I'm choosing me. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of women and it's a scary thing to do that because sometimes it's easier to stay in the, the, the mediocre fearing that hurt and loss, but like what you've said, that it is for the better. Um, right. And it's about having support systems. It reminds me, my husband was in a church when we met and when we got together, it was one of the fundamentalist churches and it was kind of like I needed to join the church or he needed to leave the church. And it was like, I'm not going to I have a different belief system and he was questioning things and he lost friends and things he's reconnected with them which is really beautiful and lovely but that was a tricky time for him when we were getting together that it was just like my support system that was no longer part of his belief system then either so it's interesting Mm -hmm. isn't it and it's about having the faith and that trust that things will be okay yeah yeah, totally. Actually, what you were saying there too, Jess, about I, I kind of wish I'd done it earlier. I hear that a lot and I think that about some of the things in my life. And what I've kind of come to terms with is that we life just presents us with what we need to go through at the time we need to go through it. And yeah. there's no point wishing that we did things earlier because we're not, you know, we probably would have fucked it up or something anyway. So exactly. It's like, yeah. It, it's what well, we and who knows? I mean, those last, I mean, if I had done it earlier, I probably would have never made it to Vietnam. Yeah. I would have yeah. met, met yeah. all of those amazing people that I met when I was there. And, you know, so I totally agree with you. It's just mm-hmm. always like, if I had to do everything over again, yes. if I could play God, I would just yes. like make it all yeah. easier. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. I get that. Too. Yeah. Um, it's like that sliding doors moment. The movie, have you seen sliding doors with, um, no. Gwyneth Paltrow and have a look at that because it's, okay. it's a movie that shows her in different situations. So if she, she made a decision, and then her life goes this way and then it comes oh. back and if she made this different decision, something else, if she hadn't got onto the train, oh, I can't remember exactly, sliding doors, the, the doors on the train closed and she missed the train and then she made yeah. a certain decision and then it goes back and shows that if she got onto the train, what her life would have been like. Oh. And it was just one of those, for me, it's that sliding doors. If we'd made different decisions, our lives might have been different, but yeah. They're not. <laughs> so They're um, not. Exactly. Cool. So you had your year in, in Vietnam, then you went to China. So you had that job lined up in China. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Where, where was that in China? That I was south of Shanghai. So I was in a relatively small city of <laughs> 2 million people instead of like 25 million people or whatever. And it's funny because 2 million people in China like it really was quiet. It was a quiet place, wild. And it was very different, very different from everything that I had done before. A lot of people from UAE were saying like, if you could make it here, you can make it in China. Like it's not, 
you know? Yeah. And I, I didn't know what to expect, but it was way harder than what I was <laughs> anticipating, I guess. Language wise, culture wise, never like UAE was more of a, the warning of you need to be cautious and careful because of like how you're presenting yourself and you definitely don't want to like burn those bridges. Mm -hmm. So you're Mm -hmm. always hyper aware of like, how could this be read and saying the right thing and doing the right thing. But in China, I think it was more be careful of what you're saying and who you're saying it to, because like there's lots of crazy stories of like what, yeah. The government does and yeah. stuff. So yeah. that kind of stuff made me a little more paranoid. Like I definitely was hyper vigilant. Plus it was very difficult to get around if you didn't have your phone, if you didn't have your translation mm. on you at mm. all times. Mm. And so I was always so scared I was going to lose my phone. So I became like I always had the Al-Anon helped me with my codependency and like control yeah. problems, but I probably should have revisited it when I was <laughs> living in China because <laughs> my control issues started to get a little wacky because it was just like always living on this like, oh, my gosh, what if, what if, what if. That's um, hyper vigilant, isn't it? That's about just being hyper, just always in that thinking mode and not being able to relax about and were you on your own there too because you'd split from your husband Mm -hmm. and so you were on your own for the first time how did you get the job in China is that through the international teaching community was that how did you get that job yeah yes I think I got it through like applying online through one of those community kind of things. And it was funny because I was getting my teaching certificate, like to make myself official um, (laughs) at that time. And the principal of that school didn't want to hire me because I didn't have it yet. And the board, the guy higher than her said, no, you're going to hire her. And I'm like forever thankful for that because it was, it opened so many new doors and like new relationships. So, so were you kind of living in part of a community with the teachers? Like you, you were there on your own, but you did you have that support with the other teachers? Yes, it's not one of those situations because I've talked to other teachers who, when they teach internationally, they live on like a compound and yeah. you all live together and it's very like comfortable yeah. inside. We don't have that. Like we were living, all of us were kind of spread out in the city and it depends. They give you like a, an allowance for your rent. So you can kind of choose, do you want to pay this much, this much, this much. So where I was living, I think there were like maybe 10 teachers also living in that same community, but you become super close with the people you live with and that you work with immediately because you're experiencing everything together at the same time and going through that whole thing. It just makes you like bond. What did you Mm -hmm. learn about yourself during that time? So on your own for the kind of the first time in a very, very new culture, like a different culture. What did you learn about yourself? So my first thing that I really wanted to like intentionally work on 
And I had a counselor that kind of helped me with this too, but was finding my voice again because in my marriage, I had really lost that. I had become just kind of like go with the flow, let the decisions kind of be made. And so that was like the first thing. And also like finding who I was again and finding what I enjoyed because there was just so many things that got stripped away all at one time. So it was kind of like blank slating. Oh, wow. But it was really powerful. And I, I gave myself time and space. And I, like one of my friends that I met when I was there was like, do you remember the first thing you told me when we met? And I was like, no. And she said, you said, I just got a divorce. I'm not going to be very fun right now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll catch up later kind of a thing. And I was like, yeah, that definitely sounds like, cause I was just like, yeah, I'm not here to go to all the like functions on the weekends and kind of, I needed to really, so I was by myself a lot those first few months and it was very therapeutic, lots of journaling, lots of like rediscovering who I was. And then I think around the Christmas time is when I like started to kind of come out of my cocoon And I just felt so much happier, like the weight of all of that had lifted. And I, by that time, I had really made the decision of like, I'm not speaking to my ex anymore, because at that point, too, there was still kind of a little bit of a, and I just didn't, I wanted to like, truly be free to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I go back? Cause I, there's a lot of women I know who would be interested in the process and, and you may or may not remember it. It might be more of an unconscious thing, but you said that you did some journaling and really worked out what it was that you enjoyed. Do you remember that process of rediscovering yourself? Like it's almost like coming home to yourself, isn't it? Do you, what were some really of the things is. that you did that helped you do? So journaling, not feeling obliged to be the social person with everybody for a little period of time. Yeah. And I also started exercising too. And that made a really big difference yeah. too. And that was the first time that I really saw exercise in a different way. And it was more about like being present with what you're doing and like tuning everything else out. Not so much of like, let's get fit and let's like work on our butt today. But those things were happening, but it was more about the mind. And I think with the journaling, because I've always been a journaler, so it wasn't something that was completely new, but I was allowing myself to like, like free, freely get everything that was in my head out. So like, if I looked back at those journals now, I would probably like not cringe, but feel very sad for that Mm. person. One of the exercises that the principal had us do on the first day of school when we all got there was write ourselves a letter of what we wanted for that year. And then she kept it for us and gave it to us at the end. And I remember I still have it, but I wrote 
that I was going to be like this. You knew that this year was going to be hard for you. Be gentle with yourself. Be patient and like make new connections. Be very like excited about the new connections. And it was like also a prayer for like hope. And I was very hopeful of like having a really cool co-teacher that I could really get along with in the classroom because you spend so much time with these people and all of those things happened. And it was one of those things when I read it again, I was like, wow. And I showed it to one of my really good friends there and he just started crying Mm -hmm. and it was very full circle moment. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And do you know what I hear from that, Jess, is that you were being very intentional about the process and, you know, rediscovering and reconnecting with who you are. Because it sounds to me from a very young age when you, when we started the chat about middle school and mum and family and then being out of your comfort, like a lot of it has been needing to be very strong from Mm -hmm. a very young age. So probably not even really having that time when you were younger to discover who you were then. So going back and being very intentional about it, yeah, that sounds that sounds like a beautiful process. It sounds like a really yeah, lovely process. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah. And the music thing, I in the evenings, because I also was being very mindful of, like, I'm not going to drink a lot because that's yeah. not going to be productive. Mm-hmm. But I would just turn on music every single night and, like, dance or do whatever and that was also like it just brought me so much joy and that was when I started to learn to like enjoy my own company like I didn't need other people to be having fun I was I was whooping it up all by myself and it was great isn't that cool I remember before I met my husband I'd had a couple of relationships one really serious one and a couple of others not so much but when I started to just feel really good about myself and be really comfortable in my own skin my husband just kind of appeared out of nowhere and I hear that a lot that you know Mm -hmm. people are searching for relationships or they're searching for a certain thing but it's almost like letting go of the thing you're searching for when you come home to who you are the thing you want turns up Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful that what you said there about that you felt really comfortable on with your own company, not needing somebody to complete you. Like mm-hmm. it's nice to have somebody there to, to experience mm-hmm. life with, but not being dependent on. Great. Right. Yeah. So what That's happened? So China. When was this? Tell us what year this was that you're in China. I got there in 2018. And yeah. what what happened? So in 2019, yeah. that's when I connected with my now husband yeah. on the dating app. A girlfriend and I were going to be leaving China on holiday in January 2020. Yeah. And so we went to Vietnam. She had never been, and I wanted to go back to have a better experience there than 
what yes. I left with. <laughs> <laughs> and also just like see more of the country because I really wasn't able to do a lot when I was there. So it was amazing. Uh, we had a really nice time. And then at the end of that trip was when the pandemic broke out mm. in China. So mm. they were the first ones to close their border and our flights were obviously canceled. So we weren't sure what to do and everyone was just kind of in this like, well, it could open any day. So yeah. like, don't go far. And so we had the choice to either stay in Vietnam or like go somewhere else. We had some friends that were in the Philippines. So we decided let's just boop over there, see a new country <laughs> and then extend this vacation. And so when we were there, we were having to start teach our students online, which was extremely difficult because this was the first time that I had ever backpacked in my life. Like <laughs> I am not a backpacker. <laughs> I had to borrow a backpack. I was so proud of myself that I was doing this. The girl that I was with is like a hunter. And so she's like, she's got it, you know? So I figured if I'm going to do it with anybody, I'll do it with her. And so we only had our cell phones. We were teaching oh, our students Lord. and doing everything from a phone in this country, which if anyone knows Philippines, they kind of know that their Wi-Fi is not known to be <laughs> the most reliable. So that was really a difficult start. Yeah. And then their borders started to close, too. And during this whole time, I was talking to this guy who now is my husband and we were just really vibing and like I thought he but I was also extremely cautious at this yeah. point like you know I, I can imagine <laughs> yeah but when that border was going to close and then it was very clear like we needed to make a decision and so a lot of people started to go home to the United States or wherever their home was but I was not extremely close with my family yeah. so I was thinking like if I go home like who am I going to like home with and the, like I have a lot of really good friends but I was like I can't imagine showing up to my friend's house and just being <laughs> like I'm here and I don't know how long it's gonna be and just like you with know so <laughs> yeah with my backpack <laughs> so he this guy just kept saying, just come here. And and I was like, I could do that. It would only be like two weeks. In my head, I just kept thinking <laughs> this is going to be very temporary. And I liked him and I wanted to see him. And so it just seemed like, yeah, why not? And my friend definitely vetted him and made sure it felt right to her, yeah, too, yeah. and all yeah. that stuff. So I end up coming here. Everything was great and it was just like a fun, it felt like a vacation. Yeah. Things were still normal here. So we were like traveling around Europe. In the meantime, everyone in Asia was like locking down. And then what was supposed to be, I thought, two weeks of being here ended up being seven months of being here. <laughs> and thank you, God you we liked each other. Yeah, no. and you couldn't get back to China at all, could you? So your house, no. your apartment's still there? Yeah, yeah. So there were people that were able, there was a small window where China opened <laughs> up the border 
And if you didn't get your flight in that window, you you didn't get back. And so I had some friends that made it back in that window. I didn't want to take the risk. And I'm so thankful that I didn't do that. So they went back and then they were unfortunately the people that had to pack up my apartment for me (laughs) on Zoom. Oh my God. (laughs) Holding things up like, do you want to keep this? Do you want to not keep this? Yeah, oh it was really bizarre. <laughs> Thankfully, she's a good friend, so it wasn't. Actually, that's a good weird. lesson to people. If you go away, make sure, like I'd, I'd always do a tidy up of our house before we travel yes. anywhere, but that's even more important if you are um, potentially getting locked out of your country to yes. make sure. And another warning to people, don't ever backpack. Like it's the worst <laughs> idea <laughs> Take as many suitcases as the airline will allow. <laughs> Pack everything. Oh, my God. So did you have to buy, like, if you were there, you had to just get everything new. So yeah. you're in the apartment with the new friend who's yes. now your husband. Yeah, he's now yeah. your husband. So that's obviously yeah. what's okay. That was yeah. obviously, <laughs> that was obviously yeah, Thank God. Yeah. yeah. See, that's a good, that's a good sliding door moment. Because had mm-hmm. you not gone to Vietnam, you would have still been in China and you probably would have been, yeah, have had a very different experience. Very different. Mm. Yeah. So packed up all your stuff. What happened? Did they send it to Liechtenstein or? No, because they, they would only ship if I was a resident of the oh, place God. where I was. So I was without my things for 10 months. and. When I was here, I was trying to find another job. Yeah. And it was also during this time too. It was so many amazing things happening in this one time, but it was not fun. Like it was a very high stress time. So like I'm teaching my students. I'm waking up at like one in the morning to get online with them, blah, blah, blah. But I had space to really, again, journaling. So I started journaling, like, what do I want out of my life? Because Teaching, I had known for a while that I really wanted to get out of teaching. It wasn't something that I wanted to continue. And so I really started to, like, dive deep on, like, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? And so I, I, at the same time, discovered copywriting and kind of knew, like, I'm going to try to pursue this. Mm -hmm. But I still needed, like, a job job. And I did get hired to work at a school in Milan, which from here is only like a two hour drive or something. So it would have been perfect. Like if we were wanting to continue our relationship, I'm not that far away and we just kind of do a long distance thing, but Italy was making me have to return to the United States for paperwork Mm -hmm. stuff during this time. And Mm -hmm. even places in America were starting to close. The embassies were closing so it didn't work out, but I was able to get a job back in UAE. So oh, okay. I went back to where I was. It wasn't the same school, but it was the same town. Yeah. So that was nice because in some ways it was like returning to something that I was like comfortable with and mm-hmm. new, but in a very strange time because the pandemic in certain places, the response to it was. Yeah. Bizarre. It was very different, wasn't it, all around? Like Australia yeah. shut the borders here. We we shut 
our borders. Yeah. And it was just a really uncertain time for even just, you know, culture that I've grown up in. It was still really unsure. Oh, so how long did you go back to the UAE for? Did you go back? Just one year, one school year. So I think it ended up being 10 months. But once I was a resident there, that's when China could send me my stuff. So I got it (laughs) in October. So I had been without it for 10 months. Gosh. So even when I came here, I mean, Vietnam and Philippines, that was like summertime and coming here in February, it was dead winter so immediately when I got off the plane it was like let's go find a jacket and some sweaters oh my goodness actually I forgot to ask where actually is Liechtenstein for those that it's very tiny little country isn't it tiny little country and it borders Switzerland and Austria yeah and so they actually like use Switzerland for military And lots of bureaucracy. So, like, when I got my visa to come here, I actually went through the Swiss embassy. Yeah. Yeah. What's the population? Do you know? I think the whole country is 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the tiniest country? It's It's not the smallest, but it's in the, I think, top five smallest. And your husband's, is he German? Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So his family's from Germany. He's, mm-hmm. they still live in Germany, but he works in Liechtenstein, but you met him in yeah. China. Right. So yeah. he was on a business trip yeah. for anyone that was wondering, like, how the heck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was on a business trip I love and it. on Tinder on a business trip. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it worked out for him. It worked out I for him. I know him. it did. It so worked it out did. for him. So what are you doing now? So you're not teaching. So you did your stint back at the UAE. Mm-hmm. Then you decided that you're going to move back to Liechtenstein after that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I had to apply because they don't just let, let anybody in. Boop no. over here. No, so no. we did get engaged, but we also knew like for me to, for us to pursue a long time relationship without distance we were gonna have to get married so I applied for the visa to for marriage you have to apply to marry which is just bizarre but (laughs) thankfully they let me do it and then I came here in July of 2021 and that last school year in UAE I used that to transition so I was teaching, but I was in the evenings and on weekends just working on building this business, building the skill set and getting everything ready. So that's doing copywriting. And mm-hmm. you, so what, what is your business now? Because what you did, you was kind of working out what you would really love to do. Mm-hmm. And so how did you settle on the business idea? Yeah. I've always loved writing when I majored, like when I was in university, they were making me choose a major. And I, by that point, cause I wanted to do everything. And so I settled <laughs> on majoring in history because why not? And <laughs> I just loved the reading and the writing and the yeah. learning of all of that. Yeah. No idea what I was going to do with it. So 
even when I was working as a teacher and like living overseas, I had a few blogs and I always loved design. So I questioned like graphic design and this and like a kind of just an eclectic Renaissance woman. But the copywriting felt right because writing to me has always been a very natural thing. Yeah. Like I was always appointed, like if anyone's going to write something, just give it to Jessica. She'll do it. And then once I started doing copywriting, I learned about branding and I was like, yeah. oh, branding's like the pretty side of it and more of like the soul of it. And yeah. so it developed into that. So now I'm doing both and it's lovely. And does that feel like a good, I I know what the answer will be, but does it feel like a good fit for you? Yes. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And I feel like there's more to explore, but yeah. Yeah. I could tell that from the time that we connected and for people, we've got Jessica's details in the show notes, but can you just let us know your website because people can pop there and just even looking um, you can see the style element and uh, that just that beauty. You. And if for those of you that are listening, you can watch us on YouTube as well, but just that thank beautiful you. essence and energy that comes from you. What's your website? That's so nice. Thank you. It's jessicagrahambrandstudio.com. Great. jessicagrahambrandstudio.com. Yeah. We've got all those details in the show notes. Oh my gosh, Jessica, we could talk forever and ever. What's next for you? What's, what's kind of, you're building the business. You're in another different country, but one you've been in for a little while. Seems mm-hmm. like you are out of your comfort zone quite a lot just for the sheer nature of life. What's next? Do you think for you? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I think continuing on with what I'm doing, but also intentionally making more connections and Mm. that's been slowly happening I think for the first year that I was here it was very recluse and kind of like we're just getting ourselves Mm. sorted now we're starting to kind of get out and make more connections and friendships and it's been really fun so I want to nurture that and see how that grows it's almost like the seasons of life, isn't it? That, I mean, you've been through a lot and, and a lot of things. I've heard you say a number of times, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and, and things kind of turned out and they were, you know, they were pretty tough environments, but you were able to get through it. So you're very resilient. So going through the, you know, that toughness of stuff. But it sounds like it's at a beautiful stage of life and it's that next exploring what can be as well. So I think that's, um, yeah. we might, we might have to do a part two and um, then, yeah, find out more about what that next phase is. Oh my gosh. Any kind of just last pearls of wisdom that you would, that could be useful for others that are going through? You know, those journeys of reconnecting with who they are. Any last little mm. tips? Or, I know that's putting you right on the spot. <laughs> no, it's good. I actually heard something yesterday that really made me like, huh, because she was saying that sometimes you can 
reconnect with people or be very drawn to people who are drawing something out of you. And in this situation, she was reconnecting with an old flame from her past and she reflected on it and was able to see, oh, I was drawn to him because he was reminding me of my past self and Mm -hmm. I wanted to reconnect with that person. So it wasn't so much like we could take him out of the equation yeah. But just use that opportunity to connect, reconnect with that version of yourself. And I thought that was so empowering and like, wow, because I think so often, like, I know I can get kind of tunnel vision and it's yeah. very like next step, next step. I don't want to like I want to keep growing. But sometimes you're like, but that girl back there, she wasn't broken. She just needed a little support and like you grow from things, but it's, you don't have to throw away no. your previous versions of yourself. No. So I think if you're going through that strange place of like reconnecting with who you are, like really going through your life and seeing who you were at every chapter and like what yeah. you liked about that person and like, how you can bring that into your current situation. Yeah. I'll share something with, like, I 100% agree with that. And I think it's about one of, one of the things that I really focus on is honouring my past. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've done a few posts around this recently when, you know, my mum passed away when I was younger. And for a period of time, I used to really refer to that as like a really shit time in life and mm-hmm. I used to look at it really negatively but I am who I am because of what happened and I can't change what happened and I really shifted my focus around honoring the all the parts of me and you know that even that really angry young girl who didn't know what to do in life and some of the choices that she made she did that because of you know, what she knew at the time and what she was going through. So I really shifted my perspective around that. And one of the practices that came to me uh, probably in the last year or two years, I, I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of inner work as well. Mm-hmm. And I was, when I go for a walk of a morning is when I do a walking meditation and I just got this image and I call it the sacred circle of me I got this image of all the parts of me you know from just all the versions me as a baby me as a one-year-old and each age group of me even the future versions of me just sitting in a field together and Mm. then we all just actually sat in this circle and joined hands so we joined hands And then there was almost like a part of me would come forward and ask for something from the other parts of me. So it was a lot of inner child work, but it was kind of these different versions would come forward. And sometimes it would be that 12-year-old whose mother passed away. Sometimes it would be the the 17-year-old who was still really, like, really fucking angry with life And it was just reconnecting with all the parts of me. And it was so powerful, Jessica, that I do that not always, but semi-regularly is part of that connection 
And, you know, when you were talking about what you heard yesterday, the the friend going back to the, you know, the, the previous partner, it's not about the mm-hmm. previous partner, it's just reconnecting with that part. And so mm-hmm. I kind of go through this little bit of a process and it's just been a really beautiful way to, I guess, bring elements of me together that maybe I've ignored for yeah. a long time so yeah that's been a oh that's so beautiful it made me teary so <laughs> beautiful yeah it mm-hmm. is and I, I'm not sure if I did that you know that might have sounded a little bit garbly but it was a really the evolution of that process and I've done mm-hmm. um the meditations around that just the sacred circle of who you are yeah so that's cool I oh just that. just this has been so beautiful thank you thank you we've got all social media in the in the show notes so if people want to reach out to um jessica on instagram what's your handle just really quickly jessica graham brand studio yeah, so that's across each trying to keep it day. yeah <laughs> practice what you preach practice yeah. what you preach and if anybody's you work with people internationally as well don't you so the time zone's yeah. pretty okay our southern hemisphere evening is jessica's kind of morning so the hours are really easy to work with each other so you never never know oh thanks gorgeous oh thank you so much thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode you can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today and don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.